0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Ron Johnson and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. And this is the roundtable. It's a Friday, it's snowing outside, but it's a nice snow. It's not windy, it's not cold, but the coats are coming to town. The coats are coming to town. I feel like I don't know what that's for. Right. I know Sam or Luke might know. Gabe might know. What was that? Was that the Red Coats were coming? Was that like a, the, the Paul Revere or something? The British what? are coming. The British are coming. One if by land, two if I by sea. Yeah, but the Coats are coming to town. And on today's show, of course, we got Gabe Henderson joining us from the Vikings. That's the V-E-N face of the Vikings. You hear him <laughs> on all the greatest hits. You hear him Friday on the Vikings podcast. Check that out this Friday with myself, Gabe Tatum Everett uh good show talked a lot about the coats and what they have coming up we got luke inman from superior sports talk and then we got sam extram of course producer of everything locked on but more importantly the ron johnson show and as we jump into this fellas um 10 and 3 10 and 3 i've been listening to a lot of radio a lot of you know fox sports nbc you know dan patrick show everything everybody from left to right from east to west from north to south is concerned about the vikings but today they are three and a half point favorite, three point favorites, some books, depending on where you look, bet online. Sam will have that coming up soon. But a lot of people are picking the Vikings for this one. They like the Vikings versus the four, eight, and one Colts. So I'll start here with you, Luke. What's the best case scenario? For today's game, we'll circle back around and do the worst case. But what's the best case scenario or the worst? You know, what? let's do it together. What's the best case and worst case scenario for this Vikings versus Colts game?
2: It, yeah, I mean, the Vikings haven't won a game by more than one possession in 13 games. So obviously, best case blowing out the Colts, showing the public that they can beat a team in all three phases for four quarters at home versus a team that's struggling and just have that get right game and vibe to it just for the Vikings confidence and morale again, start building some momentum heading into the playoffs. Worst case, obviously be to lose, and I'll say this. Vikings have lost six in a row to this team. They haven't beaten the Colts since 1997. Ron was still going through his recruitment letters as a three-sport athlete back in high school back then. That's how long (laughs) it's been. So the Colts, for whatever reason, I don't know why they got this team's number. The last two games specifically, they've beaten the Vikings by a combined score of 45 points. They've been below us, not even close. So every year's different. This Colts team is struggling. I get it. But that Colts defense still rock solid. Their interior defensive line, huge mismatch i think in my opinion against bradbury and ingram and we've already seen this defense just make every quarterback lately look like a pro bowler so i know everybody wants this to be the get right game for the bikes i promise you the colts offense is probably watching the tape all week saying this is our get right game too against this vikings defense so losing this game showing zero signs of improvement just in any in-season adjustments schematically from ed donatel that would be the worst-case scenario. You go into next week, probably completely deflated, losing two in a row, looking just kind of lifeless on defense, no signs of hope for any improvement on that side of the ball for the playoffs without seeing, again, I think all week the talk of the town has been seeing some schematic adjustments and play calls from Ed Donatel's defense.
1: Gabe, okay, what you got? Yeah,
0: look, you had, you had all that on the head. I thought those were all great points. I think just to add to that, best-case scenario – Will be just establishing the run game. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've seen the pass game last week um, be at its best that it's been since Kirk has been a Vikings quarterback. So we, we know that can work. But can we have a 200 yard rushing game or 250 yard rushing game? That, that's best case scenario against a defense that is a 21st run defense giving up 121 yards per game. So can we establish our own dominance? That's been the the. The big, I guess, question mark on this Minnesota Vikings team, when you go back to uh, Dan Campbell last week, he said, we know how to beat the Vikings. They're not a physical team. So can you reverse that narrative, run the ball, control the trenches on the offense and defensive side of the ball, and then get out of there with a convincing win? And I believe on the the, the, the worst-case scenario is, uh, I mean, I know it's easy to say, but it's losing, right? Like every single week this this year, um, we've had a bounce back game after a loss, and all of our our losses, we've had a short week the following week. So, I mean, if you take another L to a Colts team, and you you know let the Colts have a have a Saturday special in U.S. Bank Stadium, that that's not going to be um, a recipe for success. Like you 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 have to win this game, and I think you have to win this game using some style points. I mean, any anything more than nine points is a is a great win for this Minnesota Vikings team. You 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 got to start winning decisively in December. Des- decisive December. That's my, that's kind of like my mantra for this Vikings team. Decisive December. If you can like do that, that, I think you'll you'll have a really good chance of starting to change the narrative. So, uh, you you can't lose this game. That'll that'll be worst case scenario, and we'll have to start you know watching you know Ron's hometown team, the Lions, and saying, okay, are they are they going to lose? Is this the week? You, you want to control your own destiny, so we, we should be able to do that this week.
2: I like the style points. They need to go out there, convincing win, but with some style, a little bit of swag at home, and get yeah. some confidence going for the playoff run, too. I like that. What you got, it was, Sam?
3: It was supposed to be the Jets game. That was supposed to be the style <laughs> points game. When mm-hmm. you take a 20-3 to lead, it looked like that was going to be the day, and instead it came down to to a play at the one-yard line and then a red zone interception. But the best-case scenario happens if the Colts just are the Colts. Because Mm -hmm. the Colts are not a good football team. They turn the ball over abundantly. They don't run the ball well anymore with Jonathan Taylor. Their defense is porous. If the Colts do the Colts thing, I think the Vikings win this game handily. Because the Vikings have so much more talent on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think the Colts can make the Vikings pay on defense uh, the way that other teams have. Like the Lions. That being said the worst-case scenario is a 2020 repeat. No, I'm not talking about the Colts game in 2020. That was ugly. I'm talking about the Falcons game in 2020. Ooh. That was with Matt Ryan at quarterback. That was with an interim head coach, Raheem Morris. Matt Ryan comes into U.S. Bank Stadium with the winless Falcons. Throws for 371, four touchdowns, no picks. And the Falcons win 40-23. to 23. So that's what Matt Ryan is capable of, even on a bad team. He's got MVP cred. He's been to a Super Bowl. He has the high-ceiling ability to step in and do that on any given day. It's not going to happen most weeks, but he does have enough history in this league to to at least be a threat to do that. So I worry about sort of the rogue, one-off, crazy good Matt Ryan game that could burn the Vikings.
1: Ooh, I like that. This is where I'll go with it. So best-case scenario, Vikings win and blow them out. So I'm kind of on board with everybody else. It has to be a blowout win. But not only a blowout win. The best-case scenario is Justin Jefferson repeats because we've seen him do big games and then kind of fall off and, and just slump back into four catches, you know, 75 yards. Uh, if he can repeat, repeat, that's the best-case scenario. Justin Jefferson goes for like 150-plus yards 200 plus yards in this game one or two touchdowns we see a double gritty <laughs> that's best case also kirk cousins throws for 400 yards is a lot that's a lot to ask for somebody to do back to back but kirk cousins throws for another 300 yard game uh, and 300 clean meaning he didn't get hit a bunch he wasn't throwing for his life and ducking cover like he's throwing grenades that's best case scenario there worst case scenario is the Vikings lose. And not only do they lose, they look like they got out coached by a guy named Jeff Saturday. And getting out coached by Jeff Saturday is not a good look, but also the Lions win. The Lions beat the Jets because Mike White, we know his ribs are hurting. And we know that they haven't even really named Zach Wilson the backup right now. Like, I don't know what's going on with the Jets, but it's crazy. So if Mike White's ribs hurt, The Lions now are walking in. It's You don't even need to take a kneecap. Just take a rib. Like, forget taking his kneecap. Take a rib because this guy's already hurting. He already got absolutely murdered. If you ever want to see a dead body, watch the Bills-Jets game when Mike White got hit. That's like – I felt like I was watching Boys in the Hood, and and, and he was like, hey, man, you want to see a dead body? Like, I I literally felt like that moment because, like, when I saw him get folded like a lawn chair, oh, my goodness. And so the Lions win, and they win convincingly against the Jets because the Vikings did not win convincingly against the Jets and then the Vikings lose that's the worst case scenario there like the Lions look really good versus the Jets and the Vikings lose to the Colts that's the worst case scenario like that's 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 it for me but we yeah, do have he, a word from bet online or oh, you got gate what you say yeah uh, yeah I was about to
0: say yeah he got folded like it to go box. Michael, Michael, <laughs> mike mike that was that was crazy so uh, <laughs> yeah I, that that was hilarious you said. just take a rib I'm, I'm with you though like just, just take a rib at this point
1: Hey, because he's hurting. But we do have a word from Bet Online before we get on more about this Vikings game. We've got a word from Bet Online?
3: Yeah, let's look at that Lions-Jets line. The Jets are favored by one and a half at noon on Sunday. The Vikings are favored by four at noon on Saturday. You can get all those lines and more at your number one source for trends, news, analysis, lines. It's BetOnline.net. They've also got great sports podcasts as well. You can track NCAA football bowl game lines. NFL lines all the way through the regular season and playoffs, NBA and college basketball as well. Vikings line's been really steady this week. Not like that topsy turvy Lions line last week. It's been Vikings minus four, and that's how it stayed. Money line minus one ninety five. If you want them to win outright, find that at betonline.net on your mobile device. It's bet online where the game starts.
1: So that was all good points, fellas. We we got we got that out the way about the coach. Best case, worst case scenarios. So now we have to move into a coach topic that took the nation by storm. The Jim Ursay team of people didn't even go out and try to figure out. Cause you don't, that's the thing people don't understand too. In the middle of the season, after you fire a coach, you don't go hire a new coach. Like, let's get that straight. Normally you just have an interim guy on the staff. So, even to bring in Jeff Saturday, and he didn't bring him in. He was already a consultant on, on the team. So I think people are forgetting the fact that he was a, con, a, a weekly consultant. He worked for ESPN, but he was a consultant. So he was in the building. Uh, he was actually around. It's like Mike Pettin, you know, being a consultant on the staff. Like if Mike Pettin were to take over in some type of role this year, it would not be unheard of. It's just that we know his name more because it comes up here. But Jeff Saturday had been a consultant for the Colts all season. So naming him interim head coach, do you think that was a good idea or a bad idea for Jim Irsay to hire Jeff Saturday? Let's start with you, Sam.
3: It was very unorthodox, and that's why it caused a lot of a lot of ripples, because there were people on that staff that probably had aspirations of being a head coach mm-hmm. that did not get a chance. Um, and were jumped in line by someone who you know is prominent on TV, has a big name, and the optics there aren't great because it does overlook people that put in the work and toiled during the off season and uh, you know went to the combine and and helped with the draft and helped with training camp. There's just there's a lot of work put in that Jeff Saturday didn't have to put in. So I totally get why people would rip the move um, and be upset. Now, Ron, I think you're going to get to this. You know, Mm -hmm. there are other factors at play, like maybe Jeff Saturday had expressed a desire to uh, be on that staff at some point. And maybe they they felt like in their discussions with him that he'd be a great leader of that team. You don't always need to be the best tactician to be a head coach. You need to be a leader of men. You need to be a manager of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And if he came in and was able to delegate responsibilities and empower the staff around him, uh, he might actually be a great head coach and a great manager. I just think that that people look at his lack of experience as a coach and say, "Well, he doesn't know the X's and O's." Well, he played a long time, right? So that's something that you can you can fairly easily, I think, come in and, and understand. So I'm actually I'm kind of on the fence about this, Ron. I'm I can see where people would dissent, but I also I I can see where maybe the Colts would like to to ex- experiment with this move as well. What you got, Gabe?
0: Yeah. Um... I'm still not really a huge fan of it simply because you know there's I I just keep thinking of Gus Bradley the the Mm coach defensive coordinator just the the effort and the the how how players get behind him like how was he not a an obvious choice like I'm I'm not in that building but at the same time you know Frank Reich offensive minded guy the offense wasn't working defense was working so it's just like okay well you're offensive guy you, you don't have this thing figured out so we're just going to get rid of you. And then we're going to bring in a defensive guy. And hopefully that changes the entire vibe. The fact that they brought in a guy from the outside, or, you know, I guess he was a, the coach consultant. The fact that, you know, he wasn't actually a part of his staff. Um, I think that's the, the most baffling thing right now, but even if, you know, Jeff Saturday, you know, what is the, even, even though now he is the, this interim head coach, I, I figure Peyton Manning will be the offensive coordinator. Like this, this coaching still does not have an offensive coordinator. So, um, it, it's it was it was a little baffling, but you know, at this point, I guess they needed a breath of fresh air, someone outside the building that could, you know, kind of rally these troops and hopefully get some wins. And you know, it hasn't really worked out for them. But at the same time, um, that there are still more qualified coaches. And um, I was reading an article um, earlier, and it says, you know, you know, the NFL and the Colts, you know, when they get I guess when the season is over, they have to go through the entire head coaching search process. So the Rooney rule, they have to bring in um, two African-American head coaches and interview Mm -hmm. them. So, like, there's a process, you know, a a due process that is going to happen soon. Uh, So that's why I didn't really overreact to this interim head coach. But, yeah, it it was a little
1: baffling. What you got, Luke?
2: Yeah, Gabe and Sam touch on some good points. I was shocked when they plugged him in over some obvious other choices like Gus Bradley. John Fox, too, is on that coaching staff. I mean, those guys have already been head coaches in the league. They've already had a lot of success, and I think they have a combined like 77 years of NFL coaching experience. So to just kind of leapfrog them like they did, I thought that was a head-scratcher. I talked to Jake Arthur from Locked On Colts yesterday. He said a lot of people were disappointed in the move initially, but now that the dust is kind of settled here a little bit Saturday has done some good things brought their identity back a little bit they're playing better defensively they're running the ball again the last three four weeks with Jonathan Taylor he said schematically hasn't really made any drastic changes but the splits when you look at the splits rushing the ball since he's taken over kind of night and day. Taylor's back to averaging almost 100 yards every game over the last four games. And I think a lot of that has to do with their offensive line getting healthy for the first time. They're plugging in the same five guys every week. But certainly, I think Jim Irsay deserves some criticism for that hire, especially, again, given the guys they already had on the staff and the fact Saturday was likely never going to be a long-term solution or possibility either. Because even if he finishes the season you know, on a run, or gets hot right here at the end, I just highly doubt he'll be back with the Colts as a head coach next season.
1: Yeah, well, here's where I go with it, and Sam kind of alluded to it. So last night, of course, we had uh, we dropped the pot with uh, Cato June. Mm. He's the assistant linebackers coach, inside linebackers uh, for the Colts. And uh, to have a coach firsthand tell you this, and then after talking to Cato, I was like, you know what, You mentioned a lot of names of guys I know. And so I looked on the staff and I and I did not realize how many players because this is what Cato June pointed out. They had so many former players on staff bringing Jeff Saturday in actually made sense. Because if you have John Fox, John Fox is there as a defensive uh, assistant. John Fox has been a head coach. Do you just make John Fox interim head coach? Well, how much success has John Fox really had at his age? How? Can John Fox really get a guy like Jonathan Taylor to play for him at the point where now we're 4-8-1 and, and we've already kind of given up? Um, I, I think what, what Jim Ursay was looking for, a guy that can just ignite a fire, get guys to play for him right away, and a guy that understands the coach's way, the Super Bowl way, the winning way, the Tony Dungy culture, um, and, and can convey that message to the players. And you look at Reggie Wayne on staff, a guy I coach. You look at Cato June on staff, a guy I play with and against. Uh, you look at uh, Mike Mitchell, a guy that played there. You got Scotty Montgomery, a guy that played, a guy that I know. Uh, you got Ron Milas, who's been all over the NFL, been in the college ranks. Ron, when I was 1997, because I know Luke brings up the last time the coach, the Vikings beat the Colts. 1997, Ron Miles was at Washington. And he invited me out to a game at Ohio State because I was in Detroit. I was already traveling. He's like, hey, we're going to be playing Ohio State, Washington versus Ohio State. The Huskies traveled into the – I got to stand in the tunnel. I got to see Eddie George, who at that time I felt like was bigger than the world because I was 6'3", 200 pounds, and this dude was just a massive human being at 6'3", but he was probably 230 in college that looked like he just lifted weights for no reason. And so when I start to look at all these pieces of the puzzle with the coach coaching staff, I'm like it makes sense. It makes sense for the guys there. You look at the older coaches. Well, with the older coaches listen to another old coach. Probably not, but you know who they'll listen to? They'll listen to a guy that's won a Super Bowl that played with Peyton Manning's hand under his butt for who God knows how long. And uh the guy that understands every check, every offensive move, every blocking assignment. Um and so when you think about it, just like Gabe said, it's an interim. They're going to have to do the coaching search. I think Jim Mercy was just like, look, this is, the, I, this is the way to get the least amount of blood on my hands, but also drive ticket sales. Because let's forget, it's not, it's not just about winning for an owner. He wanted to drive ticket sales. How can I drive ticket sales? Let me do something splashy. Like if I just make John Fox my interim head coach, nobody's coming to the games the rest of the year. If I make Jeff Saturday my coach, I'm national news again. Free agents are like, oh, man, this guy is progressive. You know, young coaches. I have a feeling he's going to hire a young coach. I mean, there's rumors Mike Tomlin could be a trade possibility for some of these teams. Tony Dungy, Mike Tomlin, former two first-rounders. There's been trades before for a coach. Belichick, it worked out. So I would not be opposed to that. And and so the thing with Jeff Saturday, yes, there were more qualified guys. Uh, there were a lot, a lot of guys, but for people to think it would have been somebody outside of the organization, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. There's no way you can h- interim hire somebody outside the organization, and I think that's why that was an easy fit. So that's my two cents there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on, it's basketball season, people. It doesn't feel like it because the Timberwolves are not doing what we thought they would do. They were who they thought they were. They are who we thought they are. I don't know how it goes in basketball and the season's not over yet, but they were who we thought they were. Um, the Timberwolves team and Gabe hoops. So, Gabe knows this. The Timberwolves team has a problem. They have two bigs, but they don't have spacing. And if a big is trying to drive in Carlin D. Towns, it doesn't work. And so, when you think about this, the Timberwolves are plummeting without Carlin D. Towns. And are they in danger of missing the playoffs? But other than the playoffs, does this team fundamentally work together? Because Anthony Edwards wants to drive, but how can he drive with two bigs in the lane? because you're bringing two more bigs in lane that's four people in the lane plus the guy pushing them in it doesn't work gabe knows we've hooped together you gotta spread the floor out you gotta spread the floor and you gotta have shooters that's what they're lacking they're lacking somebody that can dot the i and cross the t whenever they get to the three-point line and that's they're fundamentally out but let's start with the question though i'll start with you luke are the timberwolves gonna miss the playoffs
2: I mean, when you look at the playoff projections, especially now you've got a few teams exceeding expectations, the Jazz, Blazers, Kings. You already know the Warriors, even without Steph for a few weeks, they'll be in it at the end. Grizz, Pelicans, Nugget. That's seven, eight teams alone that look a lot better than what the Wolves are doing right now. And here's what I'm the most worried about. First few weeks was, okay, how long is it going to take to figure out what they'll look like with Cat and Rudy? Then four weeks later was, okay, how are we going to win without Cat? That takes time. And then a few weeks from now, Right when they're finally figuring out this chemistry with Elcat, he'll be back again. And they'll have to figure out the whole thing all over again. So while every other team in the league is just gelling together, the Wolves will have gone back and forth and back again with that starting five, the strategy so many times. And all that stuff just takes time. The other thing, and maybe you guys can help me out with this, that just continues to boggle my mind is they're up at halftime playing good. And the third quarter comes around. They just dismantle and forget how to play basketball. Wednesday versus the Clippers, great example. They're up five. They come out and get toasted the rest of the way. They lose by 11, and it happens almost every game. I don't know why Finch is maybe getting out coached at halftime, but it's a major problem. goes all the way back to last year, too. You remember the playoffs versus the Grizz. They rank 29th out of 30th in third quarter scoring margin this year. Something teams are doing with halftime adjustments or Finch isn't doing is causing these massive letdowns. It's hurting the team. It's turning legitimate what should be wins into losses consistently every week. So yeah, I think they're in trouble unless they can figure it out soon. I don't care when Cat comes back. They'll still face the same struggles they have been under Coach Finch we've seen as of late. But what do you think about the third quarter struggles? Is there something that you can actually put your finger on and say this is an issue?
1: Hmm. It's a good one. It's good.
0: I feel like I feel like I mean it's kind of like the Vikings in a nutshell, right? It it is (laughs) the Minnesota thing. Like it's um, adjustments. Like teams come out and they make adjustments. This is how they want to play us. And um, and for me, as long as Rudy Gobert can't shoot threes, like (laughs) it's 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 going to be tough for this Timberwolves team. So it's like Ron said when you when you have two bigs on the court and then one guy is just there just to play defense when it's Offense, when your offense is basically four on five, you know, mm-hmm. like he's good in screen and roll, like he's good at, you know, doing certain things, you know, being a rim protector. But like outside of that, I, I, I'm i not a fan of this trade. Like I was never a fan of this trade, like especially, especially for what they gave up. Like, yeah, Rudy Gobert is the reason why Kevin Durant is still in Brooklyn right now. Like, mm-hmm. it, you have to give up that amount of picks and that, that amount of, um, uh, um, I guess tra- uh, you have to give up that that package deal in order to get a guy mm-hmm. like Kevin Durant. So the mm-hmm. fact that Rudy Gobert set that market, I, I I I still to this day think the Timberwolves lost this trade. Hopefully, you know this offseason, Gobert can get a jump shot or you know shoot from ten to twelve out, but it, it, it's tough right now, and I don't I don't see that changing. Like, yeah, they 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 may make the playoffs, but they'll they'll probably be in that play in game similar to last year before they actually you know be able to get into a series. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not yeah, I'm not a fan of it.
3: Well, on on one hand, Luke, you know, you mentioned trying to find the chemistry with Towns, and there was a stretch just before he got hurt where they rattled off five in a row and you thought, "Man, maybe they're they're turning a corner here with this." Um, but it's a shame that without Towns, Gobert is not a guy that can elevate them offensively. That's clear. And Gabe mentioned that. But you know what What a lot of people aren't talking about too, and maybe are starting to whisper more about, is that their attempts to replace Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, um, Mm. Pat Beverly, all fell flat. I mean, Bryn Forbes was supposed to be the Malik Beasley replacement. He's been woeful as a shooter, Malik Beasley was instant energy off the bench. Jared Vanderbilt was instant energy off the bench. I don't know if they're getting that, you know, from Austin rivers. Um, They're not getting a. They're getting a little bit from Kyle Anderson. He's been all right in the starting lineup, but what carried them last year when, when some of their scorers were down the energy and the defense of Vanderbilt and Beverly and the shooting of, of Beasley, they don't have complimentary pieces to pick them up this year. So if Edwards isn't focused, if Russell is having one of his Russell games, they just don't have anyone to lift them from Mm -hmm. the muck and mire of sort of a stagnant night. Um, And that's what I miss most about uh, last year's team, is just that ability for everyone to just kind of hustle their way back into a game.
1: Yeah, so for me, when you look at the NBA standings, and I think Luke pointed it out, so just to answer the question and not even beat around the bush, um, I don't feel like they make the playoffs. I really don't. Uh, I totally agree with Gabe. Like when that trade happened, I liked it at first, like on paper, I'm like, oh man, it seems like the fit. Cause Carl Anthony towns can now be out of foul trouble. He's not gonna have to guard bigs X, Y, and Z. But when you look at the teams in front of them, now we do know the play in. And so they might be able to get into the play in, but I'm talking about true playoffs. Can they become an eighth seed? No, like, I don't think they'll get to the eighth seed. Um, the Clippers look good. The jazz, are finally figuring out how to tank. I don't think the Jazz understood the assignment. Like when we <laughs> traded Rudy O'Bear, we get all these picks. We want to tank. Like we want to tank, so we can get a bunch of high picks and then be ready for next year. Because they were number two, I think, in the league at one point uh, in the West. And then their their owner was like, "Wait a minute, dude, what are y'all doing? Like, slow it down." <laughs> so they're finally figuring out how to tank. They're fir- they're figuring out how to lose some of these games. Um, when you look at now, they're five and five in the last ten. So they're they're getting it. They're figuring it out. Um, But this is the problem. You got the Warriors at 10. The Warriors aren't going to stay at 10 for long. No. Like w- once they get healthy and get going, they're not going to stay at 10 for long. They're going to climb back. I'd say to get the number one seed, they're not going to get there, but they're going to be up in that three, four seed. And, and no matter where they're at, you, that's dangerous. The Suns. Uh, I don't know about LeBron and the Lakers. Like that one with AD, that one throws me off. But I feel like the Lakers could finish in front of the Timberwolves. Uh, Rockets, Spurs, Thunder, yeah, they're gonna stay in the bottom of the basement, and that's the problem with the Timberwolves. Like, do you want to be four or whatever, twelfth, or do you want to just go ahead and suck and be fifteen? The problem with that, is you gave up the picks. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter if you tank this year. That's the whole problem, and I, and that's why I agree with Gabe. I never understood that because you weren't that good in the first place to feel like we need to give up picks. You might as well try to get another high draft pick. Go ahead, and let go of D'Angelo russell if you're not gonna sign him. Like, I just don't like it. So do they get to the AFC? No. Can they get to the playoff play in? Maybe, but that's eh. They're not going to win when they're the 10 seed. Like, I think that's that's like a participation trophy, in my opinion. Um, but everybody to make sure before we go to the next question, make sure you guys know on Roku and Amazon Fire, those apps on your TVs, you can actually search uh, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Search Locked on Sports Minnesota. Download that to your TV. You can get all the videos, all the shows you can see. Gabe Henderson looking presidential. He's got the Barack Obama, Nike, Tiger Woods hat on. You know, he's sitting there with the Christmas tree in the mirror. You know, he's looking presidential. So you might want to check that out, people. Uh looking real good today. Um uh, well, trying but,
0: to be like trying to be like you, man.
1: <laughs> but
0: moving yeah, on. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, you you and Sam got the purple backlit. Like that's that's about that's about as good as it gets. Sam's got the fireplace going. You know, I feel like me and Luke are in the same category. Right? Yeah,
2: what are we doing over here? Gabe? Sam Sam seems <laughs> like
1: the voiceover. Like, I feel like Billy D. Williams is gonna come out of the back and, and like start singing the Christmas kit like that. <laughs> that late D. night.
2: Williams.
1: Remember the late night when you be up and they try to sell you that CD? And your grandma's house, you know, and it's on there, her on her TV late because she fell asleep. And it's like, you know, on these soft tunes, you can get the top forty.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> got, got people walking of on of beach late at night. Yeah, <laughs> and then
1: from like kid and playhouse party, be like, "Yo, can I borrow that?" No, my brother, you're gonna have to get your own. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's exactly what that fireplace is say. I've got the dark back there. It's oh yeah, He's like got a bear. He's got a bearskin rug by the fire. Like, nope. oh
3: yeah, yes. Yeah
1: but moving on to the twins uh we talked about this on our show before i already gave my opinion on what i thought was going to happen and it happened uh the twins missed out on carlos correa i knew they weren't going to do it and what happened they made it, it, exactly what we said would happen. they're going to tell everybody they made a better offer they did make a better offer theoretically in dollars per year but this is the problem with the dollars per year if i get hurt and i never play again I don't get that money. So he's got like, I think it's $27 million more and it's a guarantee. It's like 350, whatever it is, uh, some dollars for 13 years guaranteed. And they offered him like 280 million, whatever for 10 years. So yeah, their dollar amount was a couple million higher per year, like a million or two higher per year. But who cares about per year in baseball? Cause it's guaranteed. Like, if you tell me, hey, you're going to get 350, but you got to work for me for 13 years or you can get 280 and you can only work for me for 10 years. What idiot is going to say, oh, yeah, let's I get 28 million. I get a million more a year. Like, that's that's like that's like the the jack of the bean stock. Like, you just bought beans. So moving on, Luke, they miss out on the on the Carlos Correa deal, man. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm surprised everyone's so surprised, to be honest. Like, we talked about this last week it got brought up. I think Sam brought up the fact... If you follow this team at all the last 30 years, you know that's not Twins baseball. I was shocked. They even offered him the 10-year 285 deal, to be honest. I would much rather use that cash on a few pitchers, spread it around to the rest of the team. Now, missing out on Rondon yesterday, that stings a little bit more now. But again, they're just not a team that's built to get into these bidding wars with these teams like the Giants and the Yankees. It's just not going to happen. And not a team that's also one player away, in my opinion. Mm Dansby Swanson's still out there. That would help soften the blow a little bit. And then there's a big drop off in talent so they're gonna have to get creative now i guess or just hope guys like i don't know kenta maeda and a few others can come back to life next season it's not fun it's not exciting it's not splashy but it's also not surprising to see them miss out on these monster names in my opinion and i think it might be a blessing in disguise because these contracts now in baseball Let's be real. They're just getting ridiculous. They're getting stupid. And more times than not, really end up hurting the team. Once you get into the second half of that deal, people need to remember, too, this division, this AL Central, it's pretty bad. It's pretty weak. It's one of the weaker divisions out there in the baseball league right now. And the Twins can still salve this offseason if they got Dansby Swanson, maybe a Tier 2 arm somewhere. They can get guys like Miranda and Kirilov, et cetera, to take a step forward in their development. I think the Central's still up for grabs. My question is, and you guys let me know, Byron Buxton, Mm -hmm. can that guy actually play more than 100 games? Dude's averaged averaged 61 games in the last five seasons, 61 Mm -hmm. games. So to me, that's the bigger issue here. He's the engine that makes this team hum. You can spend 300 on Correa. That's great. But without Buxton batting next to him, I just don't think the risk would have been worth the reward. I really don't.
3: Yeah, with Buxton, they are probably going to enter next year with him on a pitch count. And, and when I say pitch count, I mean like a game, right? A game count, sort of like they had him on last year, but they're going to try to get in front of the injuries next year because usually they play him. He's great. They play him every day. Then he gets hurt and then they start managing. I think they're going to start managing right away. I mean, he might only play four games a week next year in efforts to keep him healthy later into the season. They were just trying to get him to play 100 games last year and that didn't work. Um, but on the Correa, Correa thing, there was no way they were going to give out that, that deal. And in fact, I'm, mm. I, I'm like, like you, Luke. I'm surprised they were willing to go as high as 10 and 285. And frankly, if you're willing to go that high, I don't know why they couldn't have just added the extra three years and left it for <laughs> right. someone to clean up in 12 years, right? The GM mm. won't be around in 12 years. Let someone right. else handle that. But uh, digressing, I think that this front office will just play money ball now. I mean, th- these are analytically driven guys. They're going to try to find some veteran free agents that have value. They're going to try to find some arms that you know might have high upside. It hasn't always worked for them, but that's the way they're going to approach it. I think that's how they try to get the edge. Is they try to get pitchers and 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 hitters on the cheap that might have potential, and then they just roll the dice. And I think that's how they're going to have to approach it now because a lot of the star power is gone from this market. Um, And the the one thing you can hold out hope on if you're a Twins fan is just health. If your team can stay a little healthier than last year, it wasn't a bad baseball team until everybody got hurt, and then it was a bad baseball team. So get people healthy. You've got a new training staff this year and see if you can maybe string together some wins like you did last year before the All-Star break yeah gabe what you got
0: yeah i think i'm I'm gonna keep this short just simply because of the fact that it didn't surprise me because minnesota just the state is known for not keeping its stars right like you look at kevin garnett or randy moss and now mm-hmm. carlos correa in this situation it's I, I don't know what it is it's like you know it's a great market the people take care of you, great fan base but for some reason stars don't want to stay here so uh, when I knew his name was, you know, being swirled around, I'm like, yeah, it, it's about to happen. Like it, it just, it's, it's inevitable at this point. So, um, not sure what needs to change to change that, but it, it, I mean, just coming into before I moved to Minnesota three years ago, like that was the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, man, this state just does not know how to keep stars. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's always a landing, like a a launching pad for something else. So. It, we'll, we'll see you know if Byron Buxton can you know stay healthy i know he's only played like you said 37% of of games in the past 5 years but you you still got to bring in someone uh, to secure that shortstop spot or someone that can you know at least bring a good bat and, and 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 it's pretty solid you got the money clearly uh, you offered 285 million but what can you do to to actually keep your star here and keep him happy and actually play good baseball so yeah
1: yeah, here's where I go to. I'll finish it up real quick. Uh, Carlos Correa at $350 million is the highest paid. And that's current. I mean, everybody still gives some other deals going to probably come up. He's the highest paid shortstop. So I don't personally feel like he's worth that. And maybe because I, I like, I think guys have bigger names, maybe. If you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, you look at Francisco Lindor. Uh, you look at Trey Turner. Like the, I don't think the twins, because if you look at the total they offered him, they offered him right below Trey Turner, so I think that's where they valued him. And then you look at uh, the Padres, uh, Xander Bogertz, They, they, you know, that's where they tried to put him. He's at 280 million, and they're saying, you know what, your production, your age, um, this is where we think you are. And I think that's where the Twins were going. Or sorry, they had to put him at right above him, 285 million. So I think that's where they were going. They were kind of looking at like, well, who do we think he's not better than Fernando Tatis Jr. right now? Um, so where do we put him? That's why I think the 350. I feel like it's one of those deals we're going to look back and be like, oh, that wasn't – okay, good thing we didn't get in all that sweepstakes because, look, he hasn't done anything since. Um, And so I I, – I was was just
2: going to say, Sam, I know you know the stats. Like, is Correa really worth that much money? I mean, in Houston, he didn't have to be the guy. He didn't Mm -hmm. have to carry the team. He had a lot of surrounding talent around him. When Buxton went down and he had to carry this team and be the guy – To be honest, and who am I, right? Like, I can't hit a 98 mile an hour fastball, but like, (laughs) I just didn't think he was worth all the buzz from the production that I saw when I sat down and watched some of those Twins games. And then to see the contract that he got following that, what I thought was an above average year, I guess, but for all the buzz and hype, Mm -hmm. I thought came up a little bit short. Was he worth that much money, in your opinion? So,
3: this is going to get controversial. Is he that good? He so if you look at some of the more advanced stats, like he's very much an OPS guy. So if you look at just yeah. average, you might not be blown away. If you add the the on base and slugging, then the numbers are better. I will say this though: there's the controversial part. By far, his best year was the garbage can year, cheating year in Houston. Mm. By far. Okay. So I'm just saying. What are you saying? Mu- I, I I'm just gonna let Sam you. San Francisco better out. get those
1: trash cans ready. He's saying Sam. Just that's saying, what yeah. he's gonna need. Mm-hmm. Better call Sesame Street and see if a go garbage dude <laughs> can uh, lend you his garbage can. Or, what was the dude's breaking. name? What was the Grouch? Uh, Oscar? Grouch. Yeah, yeah, Oscar the Grouch. I need to go get an Oscar the Grouch t shirt. That's what yeah. I need next. Yeah. I got the Grinch. I got, got a couple Grinch th- going I got to get... today. Yeah, tomorrow I think i might the... or not tomorrow, but uh, next week I'm going to have all like t shirt. I got like my. Uh, my frozen with uh, my man, the, the little snowman. My daughters mm-hmm. gave me one of those for Christmas, so nice. yeah, I got my t shirt collection ready. So, here's a quick one, fellas. Before we, we got one, we do at the end, we do have the over under for Gabe, it's just over under like Vegas, betonline.net. It's over under. So, I got three over unders for you guys. Um, and, th- and those are just quick picks, you know, 10 15 seconds if you want to say something with it, over under. But before we get into that, one last curveball controversial. We're playing the coats, so I got to do it. Omaha! Had to change it up real quick. Had to change it up real quick. <laughs> hot route! Hot route! Hot route! I don't know what that I is. I don't know what that means. Um, Skip Bayless and, and, and Shannon Sharp. We got to put this out on, in, in the waves because I want to get you guys out there. Let's put this out there. Let's tag Shannon. We could tag Skip in this when we put this video out. But Shannon Sharp and uh, Skip Bayless, whether it's for TV or not, didn't feel like it was for TV. Felt like Shannon was really pissed off. Definitely getting the ratings up, though. So maybe it was a plan. You know, Will Smith, Chris Chris Rock Smack. Who knows? (laughs) But for Skip Bayless to defend Tom Brady by trying to diminish what Shannon Sharp did in his career as a Hall of Famer, one of the best tight ends ever, the first true flex-out tight end before Tony Gonzalez, before uh, Travis Kelsey, before Zach Ertz. And he said... Like he even said, you're going to defend this man and diminish me. And he's like, I'll defend him to anybody, which is weird. It's kind of weird. What are your thoughts on that moment? Uh, let's go with you, Luke.
2: I didn't see. It. I heard okay. about it. I saw a few people tweeting about it, so I don't know the full context. I didn't see the full clip. Probably can't speak to it too much. But it sounds like, just from hearing what you broke down, it sounds like just classic skip being skip, yeah. and uh, you know, kind of taking a a low blow and pretty weak angle versus Shannon. And I saw Shannon take off the glasses. Yeah, that's all I saw. Yeah. Once I saw him take off the glasses, you kind of knew, like, skip. You're out of your lane, bro. Like, like, just take the L and move on.
1: What you got, Gabe?
0: yeah i haven't i haven't seen it either i've just seen so i saw it on on uh twitter and i like looked at it and didn't click on it and didn't hear it, but i i, I saw skip space turning red and then shannon yep. sit up in his seat a little bit so i'm like yeah. oh okay this this must be some some serious but like like spinman just said like skip does this for tv like he i feel like he he knows his lane and he's just like all right well this is this is the route i'm gonna go and right maybe he says something something out of balance this time but it doesn't surprise me at this point. Like skip, I, I barely listen to skip Bayless. So.
2: <laughs> it, it's good for your health when you don't. Yeah. yeah. What'd you guys say? Yeah, yeah. Skip's yeah. Gonna skip. Skip's
3: I, I kind of have a hard time buying that, that Shannon was really, really that upset because mm-hmm. he's worked with skip for so many years. Skip is what I would call a radical opinionist. Right. He picks very polarizing positions and he digs his heels in, and he will argue them no matter what, because yeah. he likes to be a heel. He likes to be the Grinch. Yeah, he is the Grinch, robbing joy from others. I should and wear Skip on my shirt then. Yeah. Shannon yeah. knows <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, Skip with the uh, with like the Grinch skin color. Um, I, I yeah, I I don't know if Shannon was really that offended because. He's heard Skip spout nonsense for years. So I it might have been a little bit for TV, but he did seem pretty worked up. So I, right. I don't know. I don't want to say what was going on in his mind. But uh, yeah, Skip can't be taken seriously. Take everything with a grain of salt.
2: There's got to be Still. a little bit Still. in there. Yeah.
3: So we do a lot of debate TV. We do a lot of
1: Vikings game day live. Gabe's been on the show. We've done a lot of like death stuff. This is what I'll say to this before we move on to the over under. Um, I, I do believe shannon was a little bit pissed off but not pissed off to the point where like he felt like like oh i can't believe you did this Mm -hmm. i think more so of don't try to diminish because he said shannon sharp was never as good as tom brady at the age tom brady's at and i think that's (laughs) where he was trying to get under his skin and shannon's like man i played Tom 35 i did what i gotta do i'm okay and he's like you only played 10 years i'm like Bro, only 10 years like bro. i played yeah, three like i would three? love to play 10 years like get out of here with that and you know and so i could see that because i've seen that argument happen a lot in sports media with athletes mm-hmm. like people that didn't play always when they're in a the debate or even people that play when they're in a the debate they all and they can't win with just straight facts and talking sports and t- leaving it with the people they always try to dig and get a little bit under your skin with something like that. And Skip does it a lot, but I don't think he's ever done it in that, like that way where he's like, tried to make Shannon, you know, like, Oh, you're jealous of Tom Brady. Cause he's playing at 45. You're just hating on him. And he's like, no, he's having a bad season. I'm not hating on him. Like he's having a bad, like he's not throwing, he's not great. He's not having a good year. And whether it's Giselle or whatever was going on and worried about the karate teacher and who knows, but not having a great year. And so I, I just think like, and then what I did not like, and I agree with Charles Woodson on this, when Shannon takes his glasses off, I don't like the like. Don't tell me to put my glasses back on, you know. As if mm-hmm. like you shouldn't be that man. Put your glasses back on. Like that's to me that that just was like that's where I can tell when that's Shannon too went
3: too far. Yeah, when you he went talk up about a man's matches, glasses.
1: Yeah, that man went yeah. from like a, a, a alto to like a, a, a or from a bass to like an alto. Like <laughs> Falsetto. He went, yeah, he went yeah. way up there. Like, uh I forgot the dude' name, <laughs> the Gabriel, dream. that song. The like, dream. yeah, The Dream, yeah. yeah. In that falsetto. Ooh, ooh. Like, Shannon jumped and then, like, hey, let me talk, because he was talking over him. So- I think that was a little bit out of pocket, but whatever. I I
2: think it's all a bit. I think Skip took it to a new degree and a new level. I agree with you. Oh, definitely a bit.
1: Definitely. You got got to get the clicks
3: up.
2: I I want to see some Sam and Ron, Skip and Shannon bits going on. I think you two need to get a little (laughs) bit (laughs) bit more heated once in a while. Where's where's my
3: glasses? That's more me and Luke Ron.
2: Yeah, that's you and Luke
3: Ron. Yeah
1: yeah, luke yeah. with uh with, yeah. with the kirk cousins uh yeah. videos we haven't gotten yeah. to that yet so yeah. luke didn't come on last week and mm-hmm. so I, got, I haven't got a chance to get at him he's scared He tried to say uh cam bynum went the wrong way on that fourth down play it's like dude he was a man coverage like sit down little man um <laughs> <laughs> like that's not a big deal he was in man coverage he wasn't even looking at the quarterback he's just covering his man because that's what he's supposed to do um because, I mean, think about it. If Cam Bynum doesn't cover him, he probably has a play where he can throw it back. Like, oh, this dude's wide open on the backside. And then we're like, well, would, we're not going to go. This is not the Luke Bra- or Luke. Uh, Luke? Yeah, Luke,
2: Luke Brown. I don't know why I was going to say Luke in there. Don't get, get to it, right here. Yeah, don't, don't circle me into that. Discussion. The last
1: one, our game, it's over or under. The betting game that everybody loves. We're going to start with Luke, then go to Gabe, then go to Sam. I got three over or unders for you, all with the Coach Vikings game. First over under, Justin Jefferson goes for 116 yards. Over or under? He averages
2: 115.3 right now. I'm going to say under. I hate to say I don't want to be this guy, but Colts' secondary, actually low key great. Stephon Gilmore, still one of the best DBs in the league. Interesting to see if he shadows him or not. Sounds like he probably won't. He usually doesn't, but these Colts' DBs and secondary as a whole rank third best against pass coverage. So Jefferson's still going to get his. You know, KOC is going to drop some plays, but I'm going to take the under on that.
1: Gabe?
0: Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, over simply because uh, the Vikings know how to put uh, Justin Jefferson in motion and use him in different ways. And the fact that Kenny Moore is out, uh, their uh, back, backup cornerback is doubtful. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Brandon uh, Fassion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's out probably also. So they're going to find ways not to match uh, JJ one-on-one, you know, all the time versus Stephon Gilmore. So I'll, I'll take the over.
3: Sam? Yeah, for the same reason, I'll take the over. Julian Blackman is their new slot corner, and uh, I think that's going to be a matchup they'll exploit, so I'm going to go over. I'm going to go with the
1: over because I'm going to be at the coach Hotel tonight, and Ron Milas is a defensive backs coach. So I'm gonna make sure to give him a couple shots because he just texted me and he said well, he told me what time they're getting in. So I'm gonna give him a couple shots to and say, hey man, what, what coverage couple is he like gonna do cock- in just them up, Yeah, get a little cocktail. Yeah, find out what coverage is so I can when I get on the field, I can just tell Mike Pettin, like, hey, by the way, Ron said they're gonna go two-man most of the game. So whatever you whatever your two-man beaters are, get it going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the over though. Uh Matt Ryan, 275 yards passing. He's averaging 261 in 11 games. 275 yards passing for Matt Ryan over under. Let's start with you, Luke, again.
2: I'll take the over. Vikings have averaged (laughs) well over 400 yards allowed, obviously, the last five games. That's a new franchise record. They've made every quarterback look like a pro bowler. The last six, I believe, outside of Taylor Heineke, have all thrown for over 300 yards. He's got Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, the rookies looking good. I think if they get the running game going, the Vikings have to sneak up in the box a little bit. Matt Ryan will be able to take some shots to both those guys. I'll take the over.
0: Gabe? I would take the under. I gonna take the under on this simply because uh, I'm, I'm uh, believing uh, – I guess I'm sipping the Kool-Aid on this Ed Donatello press conference. He uh, said, you know, things have to change. Giving up a lot of passing yards is not the new – it's not the, uh, the identity of this organization. So I think we'll blitz a lot more, uh, which will force Matt Ryan to uh, gift wrap us some footballs for our defense and possibly a pick six. So – I think he's uh, maybe 225, 230.
3: Sam? Yeah. You know, I think it could go a couple different ways. Like, I think he could go over because he's just having a really good game and the Vikings' pass defense isn't great. Or the Vikings could be playing from ahead, Mm -hmm. forcing Matt Ryan to throw, and some of those could be garbage yards. So I am going to take the over um, and crossing my fingers, knocking on wood that it's one of those, uh, you know, late fourth quarter prevent defense situations.
1: I'm going to go with the under because, as well, I think when you get in the press conference and say execution is the issue, I believe he's going to keep it simple stupid. Like I think he's going to try to make sure it's as simple as possible for his new corners, uh, guys like Duke Shelley, Cameron Dansler, illness. We don't know if he's going to go or not, but I think he's going to keep it simple. I think he's going to try to make it as simple because this offense for the coach is simple. It's not complex, so you don't need to overthink it, and I think it is. It's going to be getting after the quarterback, finding a way. I think Daniel Hunter – if he's healthy because we know he's banged up, is going to be unleashed. Hopefully his neck, I think is what it is, is okay, but he will be unleashed. If not him, you still got DJ Wanham. You still got Patrick Jones. So I, I, I definitely think they can get after the quarterback. And, and you got to – I think Eric Kendricks. I, I feel like him, and if Harrison Smith plays, I feel like one of those guys are going to have a sack this one. Like it's got to be – you're going to see some stuff because when when the media starts to ask the question, defensive coordinators remember that, and they're like, all right, Man, let's throw some dogs in here. Let's let's throw some
2: blitzes in hey, here. Hey, when somewhere. you're at the hotel tonight, line up a third shot. Go find Matty Ice and give him a couple. <laughs> <laughs> give them all one. I think it's just
1: going to be me, Ron, Reggie, and Open tab. And open bar. Yeah. Uh, probably scotty montgomery because last time scotty montgomery was here it was with maryland versus minnesota joker phillips my former coach as well mm-hmm. was the uh, receivers coach or the coordinator no receivers coach scotty montgomery was the was the coordinator and we all went out and we were went to i mean we went to some places so it's crazy
0: uh, uh, scotty montgomery recruited me when he was at duke so i'm about to say i know wow. he was a coach at duke. yeah really he play, okay, played okay. at
1: duke and he was a coach at duke that's crazy so, Wow! Yeah, Scotty. Scotty's That's my good. guy though. Every time Scotty comes to town, when he's with the Lions, wherever, like Scotty likes to Scotty likes to get out. So I'm I'm looking forward to hanging out. But no, I already told both those. I think I said it on the podcast too. Like I can't stay out late. My 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 daughter's having to sleep over tonight. My wife would kill me. If I'm out late, so I know I'm in there quick, have a little drink, have a little, you know, maybe an appetizer or something at the hotel.
2: Flash you know, to 3 a.m. Ron's on top of the last. <laughs> uh, he's locked right. up. Uh, where's Ron? Where's Ron? <laughs> Wake up Game the next morning. Game Day Live morning. starts in five minutes. Where's Wake Ron? Wake up the next
1: morning. Well, that's a good thing. If I'm still downtown, then I'm going to just go straight there. I'm going to keep a suit <laughs> of car. I'm glad I, I got to keep a suit of car just in case. I'll be looking at my phone the next day like, like uh, the hangover, like where the what happened that, like, last uh, night? Like Mike Tyson <laughs> was here?
2: like yeah. what yeah. when did
1: Peyton Manning show up you know uh, like what the hell? honey
2: we own a tiger now all right that's all <laughs> I'm gonna tell you like I got a jungle cat <laughs> yeah. it's
1: a freaking tiger in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> the best lie ever before we get to the last one the best lie ever for me and maybe I'll get you guys next week with this or if you guys have one quick say it but my favorite line by far is when they come back after a full day of doing stuff and they're about to go in the room and he's like, "There's a tiger in the bathroom. He's like, "Oh shoot, there's a tiger in the bath." Like, you know, like it's like they forgot their keys. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So nonchalant. Like, like not oh big shoot, deal. there's
1: a tiger in the bathroom. Like, yeah. it yeah, is like
2: sneak in. It's like, Hi. yeah, he's like,
1: "Are you gonna put pepper on the steak?" Like, pepper tigers love pepper. Like, what? <laughs> like that whole little scene. Yeah. Oh it's man. So good. True. And true really story.
3: Love- when yeah. I was in high school, I learned how to play the tiger song on piano. That, um, that guy's I can't that play? yeah, that no, was it oh, Andy the, Bernard? What's yeah. the guy's name in the movie? I yeah. just think of him as Andy. Bernard. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Ed Helms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The but Ed Helms piano yeah. song. I learned how to play that, yeah, Stu. Yeah. Um, and I learned how to sing it too. I won't sing Lord. it, too, but
1: last quick whatever. one Vikings defense has been averaging, we know what they're averaging. I think it's 400 yards a game, but the Vikings defense will 350 total yards per game or sorry this game 350 total offensive large over and under Luke
2: well I already said over for Matt Ryan but I'm actually going to take the under oh, I think wow. at home I think they get that pass rush going Matt Ryan we know is just immobile back there he can't move around he's a statue I think this pass rush gets after him a little bit and I think they contain Jonathan Taylor as well I'll take the under on that
1: Gabe
0: mm, 350 yeah ah, man was this I offense or like-
1: defense Ron offense. The Vikings defense gives up 350 okay. yards to the Colts. Over right. or under? All right.
0: I I'll, I'll go I'll go under. I'll go under. I think um Matt Ryan 220 passing yards and um maybe they hold their their rushing attack to like 100 yards. So, yeah, maybe like 300 330, so yeah, I'll take the under.
3: I th- I think I got to go over. If I'm going over for Ryan, I got to assume that they're going to at least collect another 70 or more rushing yards so i'm gonna go over i don't believe i'm gonna go defense
1: and this is why i'm going under i'm going under because this team has been about collaboration since otas the offense will collaborate and dominate time of possession mm. and i think the third quarter is going to be the key to this game this time if you look at the third quarter and we've already gone over this with gabe on the vikings uh podcast you guys will hear it tonight on kfan but the third quarter for the Vikings has not been great for their offense. But I think KOC is going to turn it around because they've only had 222 plays in the third quarter, which is 29th in the NFL. They've averaged 8.7 yards to go on every single play, average third down. That's 32nd. There's only 32 teams in the NFL, people. And then 3.3 yards game per play, which is 31st. And they've only gotten a first down 18% of the time or touchdown, which is 29th and they've had 2.7% turnovers of all those 222 plays. That's 31st. I think KOC knows this. He knows the numbers. He's going to figure out a way to say, you know what, how do I become a, get a better third quarter? Let me replicate my first quarter. I think that happens this week. I think he dominates the time of possession, which keeps Matt Ryan off the field. So I'm going to go with the under. And now to do it for today's, podcast for Locked On Sports Minnesota. That is our roundtable. That's Gabe Henderson, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Emmett. I'm Ron Johnson. I want to thank you guys for continuing to download, listen, like, share, and comment. Let us know what you think on our over-unders. You know the numbers. Justin Jefferson, you got Matt Ryan, and then you also have the Vikings defense giving up 320, uh, 350 yards over-under. You tell us. Give us your over-unders on Twitter. Tweet it. We'll respond. We'll tell you what we think. But have a great day and enjoy the snow.
3: Hey, Prime members.